6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Wanted to get into this because it was a story that I've been following uh, for a couple of years now. Um, and, and it's really been a work in progress. But the province has announced an updated strategy for preventing and dealing with elder ab- abuse. What exactly is it? What exactly does it cover? How can we get all agencies on board to effectively handle cases, making sure the messaging is proper as well? Chantelle Ottenbright is the chair of the Alberta Elder Abuse Awareness Council. Chantelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you back, Chantel. So let's start with this. I know that this has been in the works, I mean, for a couple of years now. Give me an idea of who's come to the table to, to work on this strategy. Sure. So it's been a Government of Alberta initiative to be able to update the strategy, which the last strategy was about 10 years old. And so we've had significant changes and things have happened throughout the province. And so at the table, they've pulled together stakeholders, including our um, Alberta-wide council, service providers in communities from across the province, senior um, safe houses and shelters, as well as other senior-serving agencies, including some um, senior centers, Centers and Core Alberta, just a variety of different service providers to be able to have some input and share what they've been doing, what they've noticed as trends, and be able to provide some input into this. So when, when we talk about elder abuse in this province, how how bad of a situation is it? What are, what are the numbers look like when it comes to those who are um, abusing our seniors? So it's very challenging to get a number. Uh, our last prevalence study that was done nationwide was in 2015, so it's already seven years old. Mm. Um, and there was an estimate that about one in 10 Albertans, um, there's, a, there's kind of some varying numbers, so one in eight to one in 10 older Albertans have experienced elder abuse, at least one or more form in the last 12 months. So even if we just took that at the broad range of one in 10, that's still a significant number mm. of our older adults that are experiencing this every year. And we we know it's underreported because there is so many different layers to it with shame and guilt, especially if it's a family member, an adult child, a loved one who is perpetrating the abuse. Chantel, we know that um, in this new strategy, elder abuse has a very, you know, there's, uh, it's been defined rather clearly. Can you go through that? What does that look like? What, you know, I think most people might think it would be, you know, physical harm or, you know, possibly even sexual harm, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the key pieces that we wanted to see in that definition and that the government has included are things around ages because it's very difficult to um, collect data and be able to provide input into what's actually going on and what the picture looks like when we don't even have an age range. Mm. So they've defined it as age 65 or older. They've also included the relationship piece where it happens within a relationship that there's presumed trust. So often family or friends or neighbors or someone who you 
you should be able to have that presumption of trust for and that there is that established relationship. They've also included some of the different examples Mm -hmm. that it could include, which, as you mentioned, physical harm is one, sexual harm, um, but also emotional and psychological harm, misappropriation and misuse of money or that financial abuse, Um, things around failing to provide the necessities of life, so that neglect piece. They've really kind of built out and defined those a little more clearly so that there's a little less ambiguity around it. Chantal, when it comes to um, elder abuse, you talk about, you know, those in a position of trust. Is that where, in, in most cases, and I don't want to make a generalization, but from what you know of, is that where a lot of this abuse would happen, would be someone that the senior knows? Yeah, so that's one of the hallmarks of actually labeling it as elder abuse, Mm. is that it happens within that relationship. So when we say 1 in 10, it's within that relationship. Most often we are seeing that it is a family member, so whether that be their intimate partner, an adult child, a grandchild, someone who's within that family. But also we've seen a bit more uh, recently around neighbours, friends who are maybe their same peer group, as well as sometimes caregivers. Now, caregivers would imply somebody who is assisting them to um, do the daily routines that they need, and most often it's happening within their home and they're living in community. This isn't speaking to things, uh, abuses that are happening in facilities or care places. Okay. All right. Um, What should people be watching for? There's a number of red flags, but um, isolation is a real one where either the perpetrator starts to isolate the older adult or the older adult maybe starts to pull back because they're not wanting people to see what's going on. Maybe there's some shame or embarrassment around how their family member or loved one is treating them. There may be marks that they could see, um, increased incontinence. There might be secrecy or them not being able to be alone with another person. Mm. If there's always somebody kind of hovering around or not allowing them privacy or or speaking on their behalf some of some of those kind of pieces would be some red flags that we would want to pay attention to and have a conversation with that older adult to check in how they're feeling and what's going on for them Chantal, i know that you said the latest numbers when it came to uh, elder abuse come, come from like 2015 but also we know that um family violence, uh, elder abuse, um, those numbers tend to increase uh, during tough times, right? During uh, during uh, economic downturns or probably something like a pandemic. I mean, I, I think it's going to be, well, I hope it's not, but I, I, my, my worry is that when we get numbers from the past number of years, that it could be higher than we thought. I would agree. That is definitely a concern, and it's something that we're hearing anecdotally across the province, is that uh, now that the the restrictions have started to lift and people are starting to come out again, there are more disclosures, and that the cases that we're seeing are more complex. So in the past, when people were out socialising and connecting on a regular basis, with things even like their doctor or um, getting blood work done or getting foot care, they might be seeing service providers in those roles, their hairdresser, Mm -hmm. their dentist, more regularly. And now because of the pandemic, there's been some isolation and there's been not as many eyes on a situation. And so some of those situations have been left unchecked and unfortunately have become more, much more complex and maybe advanced. As well, we also have seen um, that with the downturn of the economy, you know, there is some additional pressures on people as far as their finances. Perhaps they've had a job loss or lost their home, breakdown of a marriage. 
those are some of the things that may cause people to move back in with their um, parents. And really that opens the door sometimes to these the abusive behaviors that were perhaps well-intended from the beginning. The older adult says, yeah, come, you can stay with me for a little bit. But they can progress. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes it's that access um, that is a little bit too much for the person. And they then start to perpetrate financial abuse or other types of abuse. Chantel, one more question for you. This collaborative approach that um, this strategy outlines with, with the partners involved, community organizations, frontline workers, law enforcement, um, the government, what is your hope in the end that it does? What is like got to be the number one priority? My hope is that because it's very tangible and it's broken down into goals and into different areas and, and kind of even identified how each layer of government and uh, organization can play a role and how even individuals can play a role, is that we'll actually be able to make some measurable changes and difference in this area mm. and start to move towards actually addressing it and having a better picture around what is actually going on in our province and the numbers. Until now, we've not been able to, as I mentioned with the definition, have some clear definitions around how to collect data, how to be able to evaluate and this uh, strategy not only outlines that but also builds in some mechanisms of the timelines when we will do some evaluation and when we'll look at what has been accomplished and how we'll be able to measure those so I think moving forward it's in a really good spot and it's only a five-year strategy which is really nice in the fact that it allows us to do some work in the relatively short term yeah. and then be able to take a look at okay where are we at what have we had successes with what do we need to do better at and then reassess in five years where we're because as you mentioned the picture is always changing you know and we don't know what the next five years will hold so in five years we can take a look at this again and revise if needed and very important work in the short term uh chantel thank you for joining me this afternoon uh, i appreciate your time and, and all your work on this front thank you Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Chantelle Ottenbright is the chair of the uh, Alberta Elder Abuse Awareness Council. We'll take a pause here. My name is Jalen Nye. You're listening to Afternoons on 630 Chad and The Drive on 770 CHQR.